Welcome to another episode of The Place Podcast. Before we start, I wanted to give you a little bit of an insight of what the program of the podcast is going to be about for the next couple of months. The original purpose of the podcast was to interview companies with upcoming shows at the Place Theatre so that we could provide you, our audience, with some insight and further understanding of the piece and the people involved in it. Recently, due to COVID-19 and the lockdown rules, we have decided to slightly shift gears and we are turning the podcast into an outlet to our community. We are looking to interview members of the Bedford community regarding their life during the lockdown and how it has affected them on a personal and professional level. We have been wanting to hear from people from different walks of life and living through experiences that don't often get mentioned or given the platform. We want to be that platform. So if you or anyone you know has an experience of the lockdown that you feel needs to be shared, please get in contact through sv at theplacebedford.org.uk. Thank you very much and enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Place Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Sanovaz, and I'm here with Nicola Powell. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Great. Um, Nicola works for the NHS, and we thought it would be really interesting to hear a bit more about how the pandemic has affect has affected work within the NHS, but also work and life on a personal level. So, Nicola, do you want to tell us a bit about what you do uh, in the NHS? Yeah, of course. Um, so I'm an art therapist and I also manage a team of arts therapists. So that means music therapy, drama therapy, dance movement therapy and other art therapists. And we work across the whole county of Bedfordshire in adult mental health services. And that means that sometimes we might be um, running a creative group on an inpatient ward where people might be very distressed and might need some help getting back in touch with themselves, with their own body, with their emotions. Um, it means sometimes we might be running a group in the community for people who are part of community mental health services. So maybe their doctor has referred them into the team that comes to this treatment, and they might meet people with a similar condition who are finding their way through recovery and finding ways to live alongside a diagnosis or finding ways to connect back to their authentic selves and their creative selves in their mental health journey and it can sometimes mean that we're working in partnership with non-NHS organisations and settings so like the Play Theatre but any other community group or arts group to really build a bridge between mental health services and the world that everybody lives in which is their community because of course in the NHS we don't want people to be in contact with services forever but when they need us, we want to be there. And then at the times when people can be supported and grow and flourish in their community, they can be in touch with arts in their community. Um, the type of work we do ranges from group therapy to individual therapy. So maybe if somebody is recovering from trauma, we might do work individually. Um, and then for other situations, we might work in group. Um, and I think we're really lucky in East London Foundation Trust because the arts are a really important part of healthcare, and that's not the case in, in a lot of other places in the country and in the world. And that does feel like a privilege that we get to work with people um, in sometimes great states of distress, but really helping them tap into creative resources that can stand with them for the rest of their lives. Um, and then there's one other area that we work in, 
uh, that our team particularly works in, which is working with staff well-being, because um, we've seen particularly in the pandemic the challenges faced um, in staff's mental health when we're dealing with uh, the levels of distress that people might present to us and when we're seeing and hearing really difficult stories, difficult pieces of people's lives every day, that we need to make sure we're taking care of ourselves. So we do that um, through words and through creativity, so it might be art or music as well with the staff that we work with in the NX. How long have you been working in this environment and how did you get there? Um, so I've been in the NHS, well, I've been in healthcare probably for 10 or 12 years now. Um, I used to be an architect when I lived in Ireland, and so it was a very different profession. And that was about, I guess, shaping places for people and making places that life could happen in, whereas now... Um, I tried to help people to shape their own lives and shape mm -hmm. their own future. Um, and when I was uh, working as an architect, I, I volunteered in a children's hospital and I loved that work. Um, I worked alongside a play therapist and I also um, suffered with really bad anxiety. So I used to get panic attacks that would be just completely crippling um, would stop me doing things in my daily life. And I went to therapy and it changed well, it helped me to change everything in my life and I thought this is this is something really special that you could be in a room with somebody and help them make a difference in their life and I thought um yeah the volunteer work I was doing around um in the children's hospital I was also teaching art at an old folks home as well and sort of putting those three things together meant I kind of knew I needed to make a change for something I felt more passionate about so I moved to England because um, the profession doesn't exist in quite the same way in Ireland, whereas it's a registered and regulated profession here that helps keep um, people who come to see us, clients, safe, because they know that we've got a professional qualification. So I moved over here and retrained and never planned to stay in England, but I'm still here. Um, and I, yeah, I feel an affinity to the NHS. And as I said, I think there's a, there's a real joy and a privilege to be able to offer the arts therapies in, in free healthcare provision. And do you work, uh, are you based in a hospital or are you based in a, a, a GP? Where, where is mostly where you work? I'm going to give a really annoying answer now and say everywhere. Um, <laughs> so we have a base on a, a site that used to be um, an old, old fever hospital. But in that base, we have an art room and a group room that people might just pop in for the day or pop in for the few hours. But there's times where we are in hospitals. Mm -hmm. And so that might be it's usually um, inpatient mental health wards. Um, but we could also be out and about in the community in a community hall or um, a museum or something uh, so it's, it's very flexible in that way and how how has it been <laughs> i suppose is the question uh, which is terrible <laughs> but how how has the how has the the current pandemic uh, affected mm -hmm. both the way both the work that you do and also the way that you approach that work so in some ways it's changed everything and in some ways it's changed nothing and i think if i start with I guess a little bit of my story first. So I was on long-term yeah. sick leave when the pandemic hit. So I was already out of work and at home trying to look after myself and, and work out what it was I needed to, to recover and get better and be able to come back to work. So I suppose for me, uh, once we realized how, how big the pandemic was, um, I had a huge response, a kind of a range of feelings about um, feeling I'd abandoned the team and what would people be doing and would everybody be okay mm -hmm. um, and of course they were 
they were fine and, and they managed. Um, and then there was a really, there was another really strange thing about, because I'd stopped sort of about a, a month before lockdown, I'd had to force myself to slow down for the first time ever in life because I'm definitely somebody who runs before they can walk. Um, but because of what I was dealing with, I, I just had to stop and seeing the rest of the world slow down. Um, I think there's some real benefits to, I guess, thinking locally and thinking about what is around you, where you can go get nature, where you can um, find people to connect to, be that online or at a safe social distance. There's something about thinking about a smaller world that is of quality contact rather than an overwhelming virtual world or a running all the time, chaotic commuting world. Um, but if I bring that then to coming back to work um, and really seeing the impact of the pandemic on, on the people who've been there all the way through it, um, people were tired and are tired and it's been I think it's been a really difficult time to balance what's happening in terms of the work itself but also because that's happening to us mm -hmm. so we're experiencing the pandemic at the same time as everybody who's coming maybe to try and make changes in their life or seek help and there's never there's not been anything else in the world um that we've experienced in this way that's happened at the same time um, as each other. So as, as we as therapists are trying to make sense of this, you know, increase in anxiety, the kind of constant feeling of threat because it's an invisible thing that we don't know where it is and it could be anywhere. And am I carrying it? Could I pass it on? All of those really stressful and genuine concerns that people are worrying about, but trying to remain as strong as possible and as supportive as possible. Um, I think the great thing about being in the NHS was I, I guess that there was a sense of some sort of preparedness that um, we knew it was going to get quite bad, we knew it was going to be difficult and um, the team that we're in worked really hard to protect staff and to make sure people did have the personal protective equipment and that people did what they felt safe enough to do. So if you felt confident and able to put on the full gear and go do a home visit if that was needed to make sure somebody was okay, you could do that if you didn't feel confident or able or you had an underlying health condition it was you know made sure that you could work from home and that you were kind of kept safe in that way too um the kind of things that have changed for us in in work there's been a lot more of a need for that direct staff support and staff well being in a range of ways so one of the things we've done in the art therapy scene was we provided creative breakouts every day that people could maybe come outside if you're in the work building and um, do a bit of stretching or go for a mindful walk, but that that was guided and structured so that there was permission for people to take a break and connect with themselves. I think in terms of the therapy work, um, it feels like things are still evolving and there's still so much uncertainty. And uncertainty is something in, in the arts therapies that we you know, we think we're very good at sitting with. So, you know, not trying to make judgments about what might be happening for somebody waiting for them to, you know, lean into their own story and tell us their story. But also I think particularly as an art therapist, you know, I have a vision in my head of what watercolour I want to do. And then I spill the paint everywhere and it just doesn't work. So you have to live with that kind of what will come out onto the page and how will that work. Um, but in this climate, the uncertainty is is so intense that, you know, it's, it's difficult to live alongside that. And we want to have answers and find the best ways of doing things um, 
but there is opportunity in that. And one of the, I think, great opportunities is to suddenly have to adapt practice to make it work online because we're not going to be able to be fully in a room with people for some time. So it's pushing us at a rate that we've never been pushed before to find ways to adapt and find ways to bring all of the, the powerful tools of creativity into people's homes so they can access the therapy just like they would if we were face to face. Um, I think some of the, the losses in that or, or the things that are missing, there is just nothing like being in a room with somebody and the privilege of witnessing somebody's distress and maybe being the first person they've ever told their full story to. That is still probably the, the most wonderful and painful thing about the job but one of the things that keeps me coming to work is when you've built that trusting relationship and you can see how hard the person is working to put the pieces of their jigsaw together to make the future that they want to have um but i think there are ways that we can find that that closeness and that professional intimacy online it's just going to take time to do um when the pandemic hit initially um, all groups were completely stopped um, and some of that was about trying to find time and make time to work out what's the safest way to run a group um, So we still haven't gotten back into a room with people to run groups right. uh, that definitely weighs on us that there's people waiting um, and that groups could be a, particularly now a way to connect when you know loneliness is increasing probably uh, mental health symptoms are going to increase or certainly mental distress is going to increase because we're all separated and then even as we start to do normal things again they're not really normal because you still have to be two meters apart and you have to wear a mask and so the things you used to love doing will all still feel a bit weird and surreal and um, so there's it does feel like there's this kind of we're in this transitional space of uh we're a bit more able to think creatively and to think about using outdoor spaces for therapy or making the finding ways to make the therapy online but we're not back to um i guess realizing how easy it was to meet people face to face that you you just had to rock up in a room and you could do it there's there's challenges to doing it online but i think there's some really great things that people who wouldn't have been able to travel could now suddenly meet us online and it could be much easier for them Yep. Have you mostly been using uh, video conferencing tools and uh, has that mostly been the work that you've been doing so far? Yeah, so very quickly, almost everything went online. Um, mm -hmm. And then there was a combination of, the, I guess, the direct sort of teamwork could happen really easily and quickly online. Um, there's been lots of, um, I'm smiling as I say this, uh, <laughs> challenges and frustrations about what platform and what platform works best. And some of the people coming to use our services prefer a different platform to what the, the trust want us to use. And yeah. There's all those things going on. Um, but we've also done quite a lot of telephone work, so um, called triage work, which is checking in and seeing are people okay? Do they need any extra help? Um, and that's been particularly in the services for people with a learning disability. So that might be doing some work with their carer or their family member and checking how they're doing. Do they know what the, the risks are? Do they know what the symptoms are for COVID? What would they do if somebody needed help? Um, and so for people who have who don't have you know access to video or access to the internet, um, the phone is there as an option. Mm -hmm. um, in the team, we've kept going with some inpatient work. Um, so that's wearing full PPE. So 
masks and gloves and aprons um, so that groups are still running on inpatient wards and I guess because that's a community where people are together all day every day for the time they're in hospital that's why the groups are able to continue running there um, and then yeah I, I've done some group work with staff members as well then and that's been socially distant so we're a good couple of meters apart if not more um, and helping us work through some of the challenges Right, and and how how was it for you uh, personally? Even even just having to move everything kind of digitally, what were the challenges that like having to be in your home, trying to find an office space, or <laughs> how has it been uh, just on a personal level? Um, so we have builders in at the moment that weren't mm -hmm. here during lockdown. <laughs> um, so that's been really wonderful having the noise of building coming in on every other meeting um something's changing <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh you know in like a few months time we'll have an office upstairs that would be perfect uh but it, yeah there's been there's i think i've really loved some of the working from home um so because of the health condition i have i'd been doing working from home not every day but maybe a day or, or a bit more a week before mm. the pandemic and it now feels like there's just so much more permission to work from home and an assumption that you, you just get stuff done because you yeah. do. Um, so there's a lot less, uh, I guess, interruption um, when you're at home. Uh, I think there's some real challenges with almost like timekeeping that you have to be really careful not to just keep working rather than, you know, at normal home time in work, you'd, you'd either say, oh, well, just get this done and stay an extra half hour or you'd shut up shop drive home mm -hmm. and at home you have to be quite careful with the boundaries I think and make sure you're really thinking about what you're going to do and um, when lockdown first started and for the first sort of probably six to eight weeks um, it meant that uh, well everybody's lives changed but one of the things that we did in our house was we took the dogs out really early at like half past six in the morning and it's one of the best things that we've ever done that it was just so fresh and you know we could see spring and summer coming in and really connecting with nature and the things that were still there rather than all of the fear and the panic and the anxiety of this panic um, and we'd be out for about an hour an hour and a half each morning and it was that was such a difference from you know commuting into London or getting in the car and getting on the M1 um, it really showed you again I think that's where when I think about the kind of the quality of things closer to home it, that's one of the things I think about um, was that just getting up early and going for a walk which we'd never would have thought about doing before um, the pandemic hit and the other thing then has been sitting in the garden in the evening so we're lucky enough that we have a little garden but it's a garden mm -hmm. and just being able to sit out there and again when you get to see that that sense of nature and wildlife continues and um, I planted a wildflower garden uh, probably just before lockdown and it's, it's just full of bees and insects and it's really amazing and they just continue in all of this um, so that's been yeah quite nurturing quite a good thing to do um, you mentioned uh, you were just talking about how you kind of saw them start seeing some positives and I'm curious if is there something that you can take out of the lockdown and that you are thinking you can bring into arts therapy uh, in any sense yeah um i think it's it's a combination of things really um and it and it comes it's linked definitely into the sick leave which started before lockdown mm -hmm. but the, the biggest thing i found is this slowing down and and just stopping 
the running and the chaos. And if I can preserve that for me, but also model that for the team, and I guess the, the pressures that the NHS have been under and are now under, and the kind of financial burdens and restrictions mean that it's really easy to just get quite anxious and your breath goes right up the top of your chest and it's it's hard to hold on to that space and I think it's that space that allows creativity and you know I'm sure people listening will know that in lockdown they've done all sorts of creative things they never would have before be that jigsaws or baking or knitting or gardening whatever and it's, it's those things I think connecting to you know our hands in the soil or our hands on wool um they actually really matter because that helps us to slow down helps us to just focus on our breathing to to not be thinking about doing all the time and the next thing but really slowing down and stepping back and i think i mean that's definitely something to take into my clinical practice too but i think i can only do that if i live it it's really important that i embody that because otherwise you know, I'm not being authentic and, and about yeah, holding on to that space and slowing down um, and then trying to support the people that come to see me and to see the team to do the same, to really value themselves, because that's what it is. It's about valuing yourself as a person and the, the time you have, because you can only spend time once. So trying to be as kind to yourself as possible in that. That is uh, all the questions I had. Thank you very much for coming in. I think... I can just say if anyone is listening and they want to reach out, where can they uh, reach out to you, to your team? Uh, what's the best place? Um, so we're probably not that easy to reach because we sit in mental health services. Um, but there are, so if you're feeling um, distress at the moment, mental distress, the best place to go is your GP. Uh, and don't be afraid of, of picking up the phone and making an appointment. If you are not well, you need to see your GP. Um, just because there's a pandemic on doesn't mean you shouldn't go to your GP. If you're really, really worried or you're really worried about somebody, you think maybe they might hurt themselves or hurt somebody else, there are crisis lines. Um, I don't have access to those, but I can share those. So they could be on the website maybe or link to the podcast. Yep, I can um, put it on the description. Perfect, because there's a, a range of crisis lines depending on where you are in Bedfordshire. Um, and there's also charities like the Samaritans if you just need to pick up the phone and talk to somebody or age concern. Um, and then in terms of the team, uh, we're part of East London Foundation Trust, so you could pop on the website and have a look and see um, what's happening with arts therapies. But also each of the arts therapies have um, a professional body. So there's the British Association of Art Therapists, as an example, and there's some videos there about what art therapy is like, but that's the same for drama therapy, dance movement, and for music therapy, that if people think it's something they might be interested in, um, they can see some films about what that's like. Brilliant. Uh, thank you very much for coming in, and mm -hmm. thank you for listening. It's been another episode, and I will see you next time. Bye.